0: Hello, yes, you beautiful, awesome, courageous woman of God listening to this. Thank you for joining our six week podcast Divine Discussion Series. We are here to highlight two fundamental truths one, that God is so good. And two, let's be honest, we women like to talk, we like to self reflect, and we certainly value our relationships. So we might as well create a space and time and podcast to talk about how good God is. So over these six episodes, we're going to talk about three key areas as it relates to our relationship with God and our faith. We'll spend some episodes discussing our direct relationship with God, all the amazing things that he's done for us, what he's doing right now in our lives, how we can really pray and deepen this relationship. We'll also spend some episodes discussing directly how the depth and intimacy of our relationship with God really influences how we see ourselves from confidence, to self-worth to courage and being able to see ourselves the way that God does. This changes everything. And then our final episodes will be about discussing how our relationship with God and the relationship we hold with ourselves Ultimately, this impacts how we relate and interact with other people in our lives, how we choose to respond, how we cultivate really the right circle of influence, having a heart for sharing and spreading our faith. Now, these audio podcasts are meant to be paired with the one-on-one facilitated video sessions that you are welcome to do on your own with a friend or in a group study. In each of these episodes today, starting today, are meant to honor a special guest, leader, and influencer of Bay Hope Church so that she can share her own unique insights into our discussion. So to summarize, we are creating a space to honor God and honor women. And for our first episode, we are here today to honor one particular woman to help us create a really meaningful divine discussion, if you will, around developing and cultivating a truly strong relationship with God and really noticing the evidence of love that he gives us in our lives. So to kick this off the right way, we're bringing out the big guns from the top of the charts. Help me to welcome the one and only Maisie Hartsfield. So Maisie, thank you for
1: joining us today. That is a lot to live up to. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't think I've ever had anyone um, introduce me so excitedly. Like No one's ever. Yeah, no, no one's been that excited about me ever, ever. <laughs> well, ever. here I am. So I, I appreciate. It. I'm very honored to be here. I am. We are yeah. so
0: happy to have you, and I'm sure many of our listeners are going to be a part of the Bay Hope family. So I'm sure many of people know, you know, who you are. But I'm sure we'll also have some listeners outside of Bay Hope Church. So to just start it off the right way with the correct introduction, why don't you just share, Maisie, who you are and what you do around here at Bay Hope Church?
1: Yeah, so I hope the goal is that this is going to go to a vast amount of people way beyond the Bay Hope family. So it is helpful to know that I am Maisie Hartsfield and I am um, the other half of Pastor Matthew Hartsfield. And we've been here at Bay Hope Church for almost 28 years, which is unheard of um, and been married far more than that. But I won't say how much, because then you'll all start figuring out my age. And that's not going to happen.
0: It's okay. We we can leave that part out. We don't (laughs) have to go there.
1: Well, I'm
0: curious. I'm sure many of our listeners would be curious as well. Being a, a pastor's wife, what would you say has been the greatest blessing and reward in being a pastor's wife?
1: I actually, over many, many years, I've gotten that question twofold. One, what is the greatest blessing and joy, and the other is what is the the most sucky part, if you will. So, um, I am extraordinarily blessed, and I, I don't use those words lightly. I am extraordinarily blessed in that I had a very high, fol- high functioning, um, faithful woman of God, mom who was a preacher's wife. I also had a mother-in-law who was a beautiful, funny, funny um, preacher's wife. Um, so we, my husband is fourth generation preacher. Brother is pastor. Uh, my dad's a pastor. I tell people all the time we could not get away from Jesus if we tried. Um, so they taught me, especially my own mom, that you do what you do, not because you're married to the pastor. You do what you do because you are a woman of God. You are a creation of God. You are a child of God. You are a servant of God. Everything that God says to everybody else on on that row in in church um, is said to me. So I was raised that you are not held to a different standard. You are not put on a pedestal. You don't get special appointed locations in heaven when you die. You just are who you are and you do that. So that's the best part is um, I get to meet wonderful people. I get to stand by a man who adores Jesus, who truly, truly loves every person in, in all of our campuses. I mean, truly especially the children um that is the greatest part ever for me um and quite frankly there's just not a sucky part so i don't ever answer that part
0: oh. <laughs> well i appreciate you sharing and just authentically i can say that there's so much humility and how you chose to answer that which i think is wonderful and then i also think that it just shows the value of you know when uh, a child and a family gets to be raised, um, with this type of thinking and being immersed in the Lord, the type of difference that that can make, um, for multiple generations. So that's awesome. And I'm sure you get roped into a lot of different fun projects like this one. So
1: I, I don't very much anymore. Um, I actually was in ministry for, for decades. Um, so my from many, many moons ago. My degree is in religion. My degree is in Christian education. Um, My history is that of even being on staff here for a number of years. Um, And so in those periods of time, I was just another staff person who happened to be the preacher's wife. And so I, I wore that hat more than I did anything else. So getting roped in And then I spoke on occasion. But um, for me, when I basically reached the age of 50, um, God said, enough of you, get out of ministry. (laughs) um, I think it's fair to say that God probably said it when I was 48 and I rebelled and until I was 50. So for probably about two years, I still did the Lord's work, but probably should have walked away earlier. And then God called me in a totally different direction. And now I still serve and I still do things. But um no, I actually find it a, a delight to be able to come back and do something like this on occasion. So I appreciate the invitation. You
0: are quite welcome. And just to set a foundation for our discussion today, We really want to talk about really the difference between just kind of knowing of God and truly knowing who God is. I mean, let's be honest, being in this country and culture, many people have heard of God and Jesus has a pretty good marketing team, if you will. Many people may know him kind of at a surface level or some baseline set of theological facts. But what we really want to talk about today is just really knowing God. I mean uniquely and powerfully within our own lives and where my passion really kicks in is this idea that God knows me so intimately and powerfully. He knows everything about me, the good, the bad, the ugly and everything in between and my thoughts before I even think them and to think that he could know me that deeply and you and everybody in your family and andy mage for that matter and all the hairs on his head <laughs> right
1: for helping us put together this podcast I, I love the way you like it's a side comment like even andy mage yeah we want men to, feel to be too. known by god okay
0: he said hairs on my head and he I just
1: that she just threw you under the bus yeah. big time we love you yep. andy yeah, yep yeah, yeah.
0: point is is god loves all of us uniquely uh and in very special ways right there's the head knowledge that we can have through understanding baseline theology, but it's also about the heart knowledge of really saying that and knowing that we've experienced his power and presence through the Holy spirit and then being able to take action to be the hands and feet of Jesus. So I'm curious, Maisie for you, what's your perspective on the difference between just kind of knowing of God and truly knowing God.
1: So I was mulling this over. Um, and here, here's how I tend to approach it. Um, which is sometimes a disconnect for a lot of people, especially, um, and, and I'm not saying this in a judgy way, but especially sometimes for, for females, we do tend to be more emotive. We do tend to be the more nurturing that's not across the board it's not a judgment it's just an acknowledgement i pull back on some of the things that we tend to get caught up in Um, so let me start from this point of view Um, it, it will be of no surprise to anyone who is listening to this who knows pastor matthew and i that we don't always agree Um, that there are phrases that each one of us use that are great phrases and the heart of them is completely accurate from the perspective of where we're coming from, but we don't always agree. And one of the key phrases that just somewhat irritates me in a weird sort of way is that of, you know, our faith in Jesus is not, it's not a religion. It's, it's a relationship. In my mind, it has to be both has to be you cannot create a relationship without knowing the person you're trying to relate to now when you talk about religion and i get where he and many others are coming so i'm truly not really disagreeing i get the whole religion thing and some of some of the obstacles that come with that or the confusion and the all of that murkiness but at the end of the day i'm a christian And there is meaning behind that. My faith is that of, I believe Jesus is Lord and Savior. I believe in the Trinity. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe in God, the creator. I believe that there is one way, and it is through the acknowledgement of Jesus Christ as Lord. That is a fact for me. That is my faith. That is my religion. That is what I was taught. That is what I was nurtured into through disciplines and habits, some in childhood, some that I rebelled against at periods in my life, some that I came back to. But it took those disciplines, those habits, those know what you believe in. You cannot have a relationship with God or human without knowing The basics of who they are. I know your name is Sam. I hope to know you much better over time. But the truth is, I've not, correct? I've not known you for very long, right? So maybe two, three years from now, I know Sam, correct? Because I know where you're coming from. I know your faith. I might know more about your family. I might know so much vastly more about you, and I will feel drawn and closer to you, correct? It is no different for me with Jesus. It is no different in terms of my relationship with God. You have to in order to have that intimacy with God it can't just be an emotive emotional um, option or choice or moment of worship or it can't just be that. It has to be a relationship that's founded in knowing who you are, knowing the basics of your faith, knowing the Bible. Just it, it's got to be know what being a Christian is. Um, so that's part of the answer, I think, for that. But, but continue on.
0: Sure. I mean, I think what I'm hearing is that it's really important to stand behind your set of beliefs that you have as a Christian woman and be able to back that up with action and habits that align with those beliefs. Would you say that that's accurate? Yep.
1: Yes. Yes. And, and I am not that person who says, um, that you have to spend all day, every day in the word and that you have to go become a religious scholar and you don't have to be, I, I am not that person, but neither am that I, that person that says, because you've had that emotional um, come to Jesus, retreat, crying at the altar, which are all valid, valid. I'm not putting that down. By I've, I've had those moments. They're special moments. I can remember every one of them. But if my whole relationship in Jesus was built around emotional moments and stirring moments of worship, there would be no depth. There would be nothing for me to rely on in the everyday life that everybody has, whether it's at home with five kids or single and on the job or dual income household or taking care of elderly parents, going to work, whatever it is, whatever it is. If you are basing your relationship off of emotional, warm, feelings with jesus that are convenient for you there is no depth to be able to handle the daily things that come your way um that's my two cents
0: yeah it's beautiful and i think right at some level because god is perfect and he loves us so much there's this example of perfect love and grace and whether or not we choose i guess to accept that invitation or not there is some baseline level coverage, I guess, um, that we will get because He loves us, right? But if we want the premium coverage and we really want to see what God truly intends for us and our gifts and our talents and our abilities, we invite Him in and we ask Him to partner with us in, you know, our thoughts and our work and our service and our finances and in our relationship. And when we actually invite him in, you know, now we're dancing with the supernatural and beyond our capacity of what we could even comprehend or imagine. So I'm curious for you, Maisie, what do you feel like when you and your life have invited God into to all the different areas of your life, not just accepted the invitation, but truly invited him and partnered with him? What do you feel like has been the evidence of his love, his grace over the course of your life?
1: There's a lot of life to talk about. It's um, <laughs> a lot of years to go back to. Um, I I think it is, uh, you know, like everyone else, we have had the highs of highs and the lows of lows. And there have been periods in our lives, um, individually, myself, as well as just, um, family, whatever. And grace, um, overwhelms me sometimes because there's like what I think you just said, there's no, there's no layering of grace. There's no, you need a little bit of grace today, but I'll give you a lot tomorrow. You know, there's no, um, well, today, you s- on the scale of 1 to 10, I'm going to say you're at a scale 9 for needing to overcome this day. So I'm going to give you more grace. There, That does not exist. Grace is grace. Um, I think we as human beings like to apportion grace to one another based on whether we like the person or what we think their offense is, or whether we think they're imperfect or not. Even, and Christians are really good at doing this as well as non-believers. Um, meanwhile, God, I think is in the heavenly realms, just going grace is grace. So either impart it or, or, or get it right. You know, grace is grace. In my life, the times that have, that I think speak to me the most are the ones where I've seen relationships healed that you were unsure if they could be either through um, maybe deaths in the family or, or, or separations that are inexplicable. Or even um, silly things like people who who yell at you or hang up on you or um, erratic moments maybe that you just don't understand how can humans act that way toward one another. I think especially in these last couple of years of COVID and everything, people are just less tolerant, less patient Um Quite frankly, they're just angrier and meaner. And grace, I'm not sure, has ever been needed more, um, especially by those of us who bow the knee to Jesus. And if we don't exude grace, even by the simplest of words of encouragement to one another, um, then who will?
0: Yeah. It's so beautiful because I think grace from a human Perspective can be so challenging at times because we have our own set of, I guess, rules or what we feel is right or fair, especially when we've been offended, right, in in some way. And I think being able to take a step back from our own emotions and disappointment and hurt to look at the bigger picture of the kind of grace and love that God has extended to us. And so as a result of that, like, we're supposed to. Give it away like that. Yeah. The point. Nobody
1: likes, nobody likes the scriptures that speak into, okay, you can love God and you can do this and you can serve and all that. But guess what? If you haven't forgiven your neighbor, you have an issue and, and you got to get that right. Nobody wants that part of scripture. Like I guarantee you, if I if I went through people's Bibles and had them mark out the words that they don't want to pay attention to, that would be on the top of the list. If you could give me credit for serving, if you could give me credit for feeding, if you could give me credit for being there for the homeless and the, you know, the imprisoned and all of that. But don't make me forget some forgive somebody that has done me wrong, because I'll take you down. And that's an obstacle. For believers and non-believers, I think equally. And it's kind of sad, you know. I think, and I think we make the whole thing of grace so complicated. it's so funny to me. We, I talked about the whole, it's not a religion, it's a relationship. And it's so funny. I'll hear speakers every once in a while who love to get on that platform. It's all about the relationship, it's not about the religion. And then they continue on into a message of words that are about 10 letters long and, and really obscure and very highfalutin professorial religious statements and things. And I'm thinking you just said, it's not about religion. But now you're not speaking to the vast majority of people who don't comprehend what you're saying. Let's take grace. Let's not dumb it down. Nobody's asking that we dumb down the word of God ever. But let's make it what it is. Grace is simply this. Yes, it is God's redemption at Christ's expense. We all know the G-R-A-C-E. But at the end of the day, grace is the ability to look at loved ones, neighbors, enemies, friends, those who have offended momentarily, those who have offended for great lengths of time. And we have the ability to say, I may not like you very much. I may not like you very much in this moment, but I love you. And I would give my life for you because that's what Jesus said. That's what grace is. Just love one another. Just just love God love one another.
0: Yeah, that's beautiful. And it actually pairs well with this this last question here in regard to n- not just the set of beliefs that you were referencing earlier and, and being strong in those values as a Christian, but how do we go about actually taking action in and through our faith? So I'm curious for you, what are practices or things that you have in place to make sure that When it comes to your thoughts, when it comes to actions, major decisions, how you're treating other people, um, what do you do to try to put God at the forefront of your mind?
1: Um, I think it evolves. I will own up to the fact that I turned 60 this year. Ooh. And I thank you for that. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) response who baby you made it this far way to go only a day um, over
0: 35 right <laughs> <laughs>
1: um and i will tell you that i'm sure good lord willing if i reach 70 and 80 and beyond i will say the same answer it evolves constantly in terms of how I'm able to serve, um, right now. I, um, and, and really pastor Matthew and I were just saying that, you know, we need to be more deliberate and, and, and really go and serve in very specific locations. We usually have little encouragement here and there and all over the place, but at our age, we're kind of like, let's find one and really hunker down into it and, and really make that something, whether it's, you know, Suncoast kids or, or whatever it might be. I, when I turned 50, so 10 years ago, when I turned 50, oddly enough was when I finally grasped and prioritized every day, having devotional and prayer time. For me it was a struggle to do it every morning. I'm not saying it has to be a morning thing. I'm not saying it has to be in a prayer closet. In fact, I'm a big proponent of go do it in front of your kids. Um but it it took me to 50. And I, and I was on staff at a church and it took me to 50 to figure out that that has to be an anchor and a consistent anchor. And the thing I find myself praying the most is God, direct every step I take today. God, guide every word that comes out of my mouth. God, place your hand over my mouth in the times that I feel like I need to speak, but really need to not speak. And God, bless all those that I encounter that somehow, somehow they see Jesus in me. And that's, that's all I can do. That, that's, that's all I can, can do right now. Um, and I'm not sure that fully answers your question, but for me, I'm going to come back to the whole habit and discipline thing. I have conversations with a lot of moms And I've had conversations with multitudes of parents and and preached with Matthew over the years. And the one thing that never changes for me is the priority that has to be in every family and in every individual life of creating habits and disciplines. You have to pray, even if it's a blessing before every meal. You need to be in worship you need to create habits that are weekly or daily or something. Um, Memorizing scripture, whatever it is. And I'm ADD, so this is not easy. Um, But it's those habits and disciplines that will carry over to your kids. You have to teach them habits and disciplines. Because only in that are you going to have the foundation to be able to live the life Jesus wants you to live for many, many years to come. And it's not an insurance just because you take your kids to church every week, which I highly suggest you do. I mean, you, I'm always tickled at people who are like, "Wow, well, I'm gonna let them, you know, in, when they're 18, I, wanna, I want them to make their own decision. Well, do you do that with math? Do you do it with English? Do you do that with physical aspects of playing sports? Do you do that? No, we don't. But for some reason with Jesus, we think that that's just gonna come somehow and the holy spirit says i'm equipping you with the ability to teach disciplines in your own life and in your kids lives so that they get to know me and have that intimacy that you're talking about sam so take the steps to do that so that you're anchored hopefully for the rest of your life because it's I don't know that I have the right word per se, but this is what I would say. At the end of the day, things are going to hit you for good or bad. And if you have not proactively set in place disciplines and habits of worship and prayer And reading the Bible, even when they don't make sense to you, even when they, um, even when you're tired, even when you're worn out, if you have not put that in place, then when the good times and the bad times, especially bad times hit you, you will rock. And that's not good. But if you have the habits and disciplines in place, you can fall back and say, I don't understand it. I don't get what's going on in my life, but I know God's there. I know Jesus is there. I know he loves me. I know intimately he loves me. I know factually he loves me. I know in my brain he loves me and created me. I know in my heart he wants the best for me. So I'm going to trust in this and I'll be okay. Simple as that.
0: Yeah, I love it so much. I mean, what I I take from what you said as far as ways that you have proactively really put Jesus at the center of your mind and your heart is really through your actions and your set of daily habits and disciplines um, and just being consistent um, with those
1: things. And can I say just one more thing and be proactive in who you put in your life? Be wise and proactive about the words that you allow in your ears. Everything from music to podcasts to news to whatever it is. Be proactive. This world is a reactive world, and it's messing us up. So let's be proactive in putting God first, and that's intimacy.
0: Right and being intentional too. I'm hearing with mm-hmm. the circle of influence and who you choose to hold in that circle of influence, which we will be talking about actually in future podcasts. So Good. that that paired Good. very well. And one of the things that you said earlier that really struck me too is how you and Pastor Matthew are really intentional about finding ways to just be proactively involved in the community and in service. And I think that that's a beautiful way to actually go into action with our. Faith to remember that it isn't just about us and our small world and problems uh, that we live in and to move outside of that and realize that the world and God is so much bigger than ourselves and, and what we think that we're going through.
1: So, Well, we are imperfect, but we were raised to believe that if you are going, you don't ask others to do anything that you are not willing to do yourself. If God calls others to tithe, then we are to tithe first. If God calls others to serve, then we are to serve first. If God calls others to worship, then we better be on the front row doing the same.
0: Love it. Well, I know we've covered a lot of really awesome ground here. And I think you and I are very similar in that I ideally wanted to create a space where a woman could feel inspired, maybe captured, drawn in by the story, maybe hear some cool insight and perspective Ultimately, though, creating some type of a call to action, if you will, because if we don't take any action on things that we hear, then ultimately it doesn't create as much of an opportunity for growth or for God to move. So if you could share one or two um, what you think, Maisie, of the biggest takeaways or insights from your story that you would want a woman to take action on. That you think would really help to evolve and grow her relationship with God, what do you think that that would be?
1: I don't know. I would. I, I honestly, I would probably look at you and say you you've heard me ramble for this last bit of time. So, what would be the two takeaways that that you would say? But if I had to narrow in on myself, it would. And I'm just going to repeat myself and say, if you have not begun some sort of habit to stay close to God, start. It's never too late. Um, and I don't care what it is. Uh, my preference is that you come to worship somehow, be in a community of believers, um, come to worship or serve what whatever it is. Pray. My goodness gracious, it's the simplest thing ever to do in a life of faith is to simply talk to God and we make it so complicated. So just do it, just do it. Nobody's laughing at you. God's not judging you. It's just, just have a conversation daily or whenever it's needed. Um, And also, you know, if I could say this, we talked a lot about grace and grace imparted to others and, And sometimes the person that we allot the least amount of grace to is ourselves. And that's just wrong. It's not just sad, it's wrong. It's biblically wrong. You are God's creation, you are a child of God. And for you to belittle yourself that much in the eyes of God is wrong. So you have to look in the mirror and absorb. You're not perfect. You're never going to be perfect. And that's okay. God's not going anywhere. But love who you are. And then take each day to try and do better, be better, be closer to God.
0: I love it. Just the idea of taking it one day at a time Mm -hmm. and really being intentional, creating systems and habits and taking action, and just doing it, ladies. That's what Maisie Hartsfield saying, so that we can grow <laughs> closer uh, in our relationship with the Lord. So thank you so much for tuning in thank here you. to our first episode. And thank you so much, Maisie, for your time and intentionality and your answers. It's awesome to have you a part of this. Thank
1: you. I appreciate it. Again, I just find it an honor to be here. I think what you're doing is
0: great. Well, thank you so much. And ladies, join us next time for our second episode where we will be discussing the power of prayer and our special guests will be revealed on that episode. So check it out.